This coffee is delicious. It's from Hawaii. Yeah. All right, Matt, come on. Let's do this. Okay. <clears throat> hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of Scene and Nerd. I missed you. That's... I'm going to do that again. That's awful. <laughs> of Cena Nerd. I promise it's going to be a good one because I'm well caffeinated. I'd like to introduce our panel for today. It's not a panel. It's a group of fun friends. First is, she got mad last time that I introduced her first, so I'm going to introduce her first. Sarah Belmont, what's up, friend? Hey, Matt. I what? don't know what to say. I'm not used to being introduced first. Oh, because I, I threw you off last time. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> And now I have my comfort zone, so stop changing. <laughs> that means I'm going to change a second <laughs> next time. And uh, joining us again from last week is Alyssa. What's up? Welcome back. Hello. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, and what a fun episode to discuss. <laughs> I think five stars all around from everyone, I like to say. I'll go on a limb and say it. I thought this was a great episode. Probably my favorite one so far this season. And no, it's not because of the fun little reveal at the end. Because of a lot of things, and we'll go into it right now. First off, so the episode uh, starts off with Elliot invites us to lucid dream with him, so to speak, by saying, mind awake, body asleep. And yeah, I thought that was really interesting that we kind of uh, dove into the mind of Elliot a little bit more. He, and he invited us in. But it ended up being like Mr. Robot and Elliot were more separated than ever as two separate characters. Why do you think... <laughs> Or uh, Sarah, we'll start with you. Why do you think that um, Sam Esmail and the other writers are trying to split them apart? I don't think it's them trying to split them apart so much as in the first season, they were clearly two separate characters. And yet, and we accepted that because we thought, well, some of us, some of us knew right away that he wasn't real. But majority, for, for all intents and purposes... Mr. Robot was a real character and not necessarily a figment of Elliot's imagination or a an, an delusion or anything. And this season, going into it, you know, you know that he is, he isn't real. And so this episode, they kind of, for the first time this season, um, you fully... You fully saw this amazing change occur where they switch places in terms of who was really in control. Because we've all heard about these break in consciences that Elliot experiences. And yet for the first time, we're actually observing them. And it was really well done. And it's part of the reason why I think this is one of the stronger season two episodes. Yeah, well said. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess... I, that kind of puts it all together. Um, Alyssa, did you want to add on that? or? I just think, too, that what's different with this, um, in this season at least, like going off what Sarah was saying about the season as a whole, is the first season we kind of see Elliot coming to terms with realizing that Mr. Robot is something that's a part of him. And then this, uh, this <laughs> season we're constantly seeing them kind of battling it out. Um, so I think right now we're watching them kind of diverge in two different paths. And I think part of that does have to 
deal with um, what exactly stage two is, who's planning stage two, because um, apparently Elliot is supposed to know what stage two is, but he has no idea. So I just I feel like it's something that Mr. Robot went off and planned. Um, so I feel like that's a force right now that we're still waiting to find out about. And that's keeping Mr. Robot and Elliot kind of butting heads and almost staying as this separate these two separate entities. Um, and then I think eventually they'll come together and work together. Yeah. I mean, right. But, but, oh, go ahead, Matt. I was just going to mention that, I mean, skipping ahead a little bit, but not revealing too much. Like everybody who talks about stage two in this episode, it almost seems like all of their planning and what they're doing is all in service to Elliot's vision. And it's so interesting that he doesn't even know what's going on. He literally like people ask him, like, do you even like, did you forget everything that was that we're planning? So that that was a little interesting tidbit. You're going to say, sir. Uh, right. I was just going to add on to what Alyssa said in the sense that um, this season we have seen them struggle for control, but there's there's a big difference for me, at least as a viewer, watching them play chess in the park, even though at the time I really liked that scene, than what happens in this episode where for the first time I really feel like Elliot almost had the upper hand in the sense that he... Had, was able to observe what Mr. Robot is doing during these breaks of consciousness. Consciousness, blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying. Consciousness, <laughs> yes. Consciousness, thank you. I'm sorry. I had kombucha and now I can't talk. It's spicy. <laughs> spicy mango. <laughs> but anyways, and, and so it's just much more dynamic and it's there was a lot more attention this episode, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, so, it, I mean, they they still had the same philosophy and everything and the same mind games. It just felt more like, like a thriller than in the earlier episodes in the season. Yeah, I think thriller is the right word to describe this episode. It was like always someone's being hunted or someone's being followed or in prison so to speak so um yeah i definitely agree with that let's move on to philip price because this guy i don't know what his plan is um <laughs> but apparently it involves ecoin so he's sitting down with i guess the secretary of treasury i'm guessing that's who that's who the guy is that's who it was yeah he wants to push ecoin as um like a bigger um, alternative to cash, the U.S. dollar, and then like they're like, no, you can't print money. That's what we do, and um, it seems like Philip Price is really having the upper hand in this. But it's what I'm what I'm worried or not worried. What I'm trying to wrap my head around though is why would he do that if the Chinese bailed him out by you know using you know the two trillion dollars that they're talking about in the episodes two um, trillion dollars so, sorry i had to that's all that comes to my mind when anybody on a show or movie like talks about like such large sums of money i'm always like two trillion dollars or two billion gotta do the pinky my, to the sorry, corner of the mouth right i mean it's only natural I, so i guess what i'm asking is like since E, since Ecorp was bailed out by money, why does he not, or why is he pushing Ecoin still as like an alternative to the money that bailed him out? Yeah, I think it's a control thing because just because the way that 
the hack has already affected the world. Like the dollar has lost value. And um, since China gave money, like their currency would also be affected. So I think just after the idea of like the economy collapsing, basically, and people losing their trust in currencies, um, they'll want to like the big corporations are going to want to have that direct power over what, whatever it is that they're trading, whatever resources. And I think that uh, Price has this idea that creating this currency that he has this direct control over is a way to ensure that, basically. As if his... Um, right, because... <clears throat> I was going to say, it, it, like, like his influence isn't, like, enough, you know? Like, he has, right. he has more influence. He on. always wants... And he even said that, too, when in the last episode when he's talking about how he views his own power. He always he always wants to keep gaining as much as possible. Right, right. Sarah, you wanted to add on that? Right. And he, and he also views government officials as puppets and, like, that political game. And so it's kind of... It's kind of as if he can cut out the middleman. If he can... Because then he wouldn't need the government to bail him out or any government to bail him out if he's the one controlling the currency and making it and distributing it, then that'll never be taken away from him or or he thinks right. at least. And it's not only an opportunity for him to get over get control over his own government, um, but I also think he is starting to plot against White Rose. For future, because she she also was used in a way, and that their partnership was to help him. And I think it's masterful how every like in that conversation, you start to understand what exactly White Rose and Philip Price have been plotting this whole time, and it and it really is smart what they did and how they manipulated like situation after situation to lead him into this room with um this man. I wish we knew the character name. <laughs> I'm going to call him Guy Number One. Oh no, his name is Jack. Who are you talking about? Never mind. <laughs> Total. The guy that he was—he was in—he was, was in the room with Jack, and they were talking about money. Oh, the treasury guy. The two trillion dollars. Why are you acting like I'm making up this show? No, I'm—I'm I'm trying to figure out who you're talking about. It's Jack. His name I is don't Jack. know who Jack is, but that's his name. Well, yeah, sure. I don't know. Yes, was, his name is Jack. I was talking on a really good tangent, and then. TLDR, I guess, I guess, about that, about the e-coin thing. I just, I see it as Price just wanting control. I mean, didn't he make that comment once about there being like a, I don't remember the term he is exactly, but like a new world order, basically, based on the economy. NWO? Yeah. Do you follow wrestling too? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) But it was similar to that in the sense, how he described it. And it's like really a rebirth like a... of human of human like something. <clears throat> I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just more control basically. But the other side of it too is that like I totally think that White Rose wants to push for the ecoin thing for another reason. So Price I think sees China as being in on it, making the ecoin thing happen, and then White Rose, um, however, is using it against Price. I think. Yeah. 
Well, it seems like this is going to be um, like a kind of a story that's going to bleed over to this, the third season because there is no way this is going to be resolved <laughs> next episode. Um, so like a lot of things in this show will probably not be resolved next episode, <laughs> final episode. So, um, so yeah, we're going to get we're going to have to just leave that for now. But we're going to move to Agent Dom. So poor Dom. She's like she even said this isn't even my blood on my face right now if that's what you want to hear. And she just wants to stay locked in on, on f- getting to the bottom of five, nine hacks and everyone she's following Angela and everything like that. But she has to be sidelined for a little bit. And we get this scene. I watched it like three times. It was profoundly sad. And it's, it's interesting because you kind of see her talk to Alexa, the little robot from Amazon thing. Like, <laughs> Like as like a you know like a roommate, and then it gets it's almost like she's asking herself those same questions he's asking Alexa, and you know are you alone and this and that. So got I got I got all the feels from that scene. Did you guys enjoy that as well? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I think I can almost relate to it because not to be like depressing, but part of me likes keeping a busy schedule and going, going, going because I don't sometimes like you sit down and you start to think too hard about things going on right. and then you get in these loops. And I think that's what Dom is going through. Like she really likes to focus on the case and what's going on as an avoidance um, tactic for whatever it is that she's dealing with in her personal life, whether it is that she's just alone or something's happened to her in the past that has caused her to be how she is now. And, you know, the whole scene with Alexa is especially profound because it's a show that deals with technology so much and we're seeing her basically confess these things that she wants herself to answer, but she's asking, you know, an artificial intelligence instead. But I think all the questions that she does ask Alexa um, are things that she's trying to really find within herself. So, or almost, or almost get an answer from Alexa that makes her feel okay with answering a certain way. Right, and when she asked Alexa, do you love me? And Alexa responds, it's not ca- something I'm capable of. I was like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> that is that is exactly how Dom feels as well. I can't what you're doing here. So you, you see her trying to reach out to really anybody that, you know, was yeah. is willing to respond to her. So hashtag poor Dom, get it trending. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah, did you like the scene too? I... It wasn't my favorite. There's... In my opinion, there's better scenes in this episode. And it kind of stuck out to me in the sense that it just didn't fit. Like, I didn't understand why specifically in this episode we needed that. Granted, there is, um, they do draw uh, a theme, a thematic element through that scene in the sense that these characters are dealing with defeat. And I think that the scene with Philip Price, which ends on this notion that even in defeat, um, even defeat is profitable or it's profitable to be in defeat, something like that. He says something along those lines Yeah, goes into the scene where she really was defeated today. Like that conversation with Santiago about how basically they lost and everything she's worked on was for nothing um she came went back to her place and she's like well what's the point and we've all had those moments um especially after hard days or long days when you're just like I don't understand why we do this anymore like what am I doing or what's the point if I'm not gonna win and 
And it also, the scene mirrors um, Elliot at the beginning in terms of the way they shot the scene because both Elliot and Dom were um, close up, direct the camera, and just lying in, well, Elliot was on his couch, but she was lying in the bed. And I thought that was very interesting um, in the sense that we still have yet to see Dom and Elliot share screen time together. Um, but you can see how how much as individuals they could potentially relate to one another through their shared loneliness and social anxiety and depression. So along those lines, it's a good scene. I just I just felt in the long run it kind of stands out as like something that could have easily also been cut from the episode. Sarah, you are. You are reading my notes, are you? Like, are you, did you hack into my laptop and read my personal notes? That is. No. No, you didn't? Are you sure? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I hope you didn't, because that'd be really mean. But yeah, I, I also feel like Elliot and Dom, like the reason why they had this scene was to really put them in like, you know, as parallel as like, not as uh, so much as um, comparatives of each other, but a lot of highlight the similarities that they're both really lonely people. Um, the biggest difference, mm-hmm. though, is that Elliot has, you know, Darlene to an extent and, you know, poor Dom has Alexa. So, <laughs> um, well, Elliot yeah. still has his mission or True. like maybe not his mission, but when you're trying, you always feel like there's like you have a purpose when you're trying to figure something out or you you are set in motion or a mystery like mystery drives a lot of us and so and that's what we see in Elliot right now because he's also been where Dom is now and I think that's part of the reason why for a majority of the season he was in jail because he he put himself away to not have to deal with the constant battle and agony that is life. And now that he's back, he still is driven um, and motivated now by trying to figure out what Mr. Robot is doing. And, and so he has that motivation and I don't know where I was going with that. I, yeah, I'm getting distracted because Alyssa's making edits in the Google doc. <laughs> I didn't edit and anything. I just see like, <laughs> I don't know. I just like, see, Oh, I'm clicking. Sorry. Yeah, I, I like see all the notes and then I see like Matt and he's pink and then you're blue and you're like, yeah, sorry. Sorry. Um, Anyways, Sarah, I really <laughs> hope that of... I was going to say, Sarah, I really hope you don't think life is just pain and agony. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> you mentioned that's what. It's funny you mentioned that um, Elliot put himself away to escape that. And while I do think that is something he did, this is kind of going back, you know, discussing why he was in jail and all, but I still think it's important to discuss throughout as time goes on because it's the evidence for and against it kind of evolves as we get more information. And I, part of me still believes that him being in jail was part of stage two because he did meet Mm -hmm. Leon and he did get access to the uh that marketplace you know um so i feel like i feel like that all is gonna come back to play into it somehow i don't know i just i do believe but i think i think that him you know kind of escaping seeing it as an escape from the agony and pain whatnot is kind of parallel almost to how dom deals with her defeat as well you know 
right no no that's a that's a good point and it kind of makes you think well and probably the counter argument to like was it elliot who put himself in jail or was it white rose because we constantly see this in any episode she appears in she's really the mastermind of it all (laughs) so i can also see her deciding that you know what part of phase two is moving Elliot here and putting Tyrell over here and so that all these other events happen and everything. So I, I don't, yeah, maybe that say something. I was, yeah. (laughs) I'm floundering all of a sudden. (laughs) Floundering. Like a fish in a tank. Speaking of fish tanks. Pretty much. Um, Oh, that's what I wanted to say. Yes. I know what I wanted to say now. See it. Because if you compare the differences between Elliot in midst of defeat versus Dom in midst of defeat, you see the same kind of um, what what White Rose points out to Angela about being locked in the room and allowing a lock to prevent you from leaving that room. Because with Elliot, he he has this imagination and this uncanny ability to to manipulate the situation. And you see that fully fleshed out in terms of when he was in jail and he created this whole routine and life for himself to mask himself and hide away and prevent him from seeing reality for what it was. Well, with Dom, you see her just like constantly like look reality in its face so to speak but i don't know just i get it i I hear the the yeah i see the connections i got you but funny you mention angela and white rose because my goodness that scene uh before we jump into that though real quick do you guys think dom's gonna be in season three yes or no anybody can go first i don't know i i think so i think she's gonna prove herself pivotal somehow once she gets involved with darlene Mm-hmm. That's all I, have I to think say she's that. a series regular. I think that her being in season two, unless something very big happens next episode in terms of her character and where she is, there's more story to tell because they've done a lot of setup and a lot of work with her. So I hate that they would just wrap it up in a nice neat bow next episode and call it a day with her character. But yeah, so so I think there's the possibility that she'll be in the next season. Yeah, you know, I feel like we just kind of scratched the surface of her character, so I hope you see yeah. her too in season three. But right. let's talk about probably one of the best kind of worked out sequences in the entire season, if not series, my opinion, and that's the whole situation with Angela. So let's start from the top. We see Angela... Locked in a van with some people that don't even talk to her. Uh, initial thoughts. Did you guys think it was Dark Army right away or did you think it was something else? I thought it was an FBI safe house. But um, Alyssa, start with you. I thought it was an FBI safe house too. Um, just going off of what I said last about the last episode. Just there being some sort of safe house maybe for Trent and Mobley as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was when they they weren't answering her that... I was like, okay, this is fishy. Also, when they mentioned, when she took the time to mention, can I have my phone back? That's also when I was like, 
this must be Dark Army because they always showed us that when they got in the car somewhere involved with Dark Army, they took the phone. Yeah. Sarah, what uh, what were your initial thoughts when you saw Angela locked in the van? FBI until they got to the house and she got in the room and then I'm like, oh, come on. Come on, please. So, yeah. Dark Army tends to have a flair for the uh, dramatics, um, you can say. We have with the the faces of the family, I guess, that they took the house over, kind of like posted, noted over, you know, covered their faces and got a big dark room with nothing but a red carpet, a fish tank and a Commodore 64 on a desk, you know, by the way, totally nailed it that it's a Commodore 64 because I've been watching too much Hall and Catch Fire. So you should watch that show, too. Um, What did you guys think when the little girl came out and started asking her those series of personal questions? creepy i know right david lynch so creepy. yeah yeah um i thought it was interesting how they they used a point and click adventure type of text-based game not point and click but a text-based adventure to almost like psychoanalyze somebody i think that's really cool right um and the way that angela was kind of piecing it all together to is the key in the room it's in my hand blah 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 so um mm-hmm. I thought that was a Did fun it... way to see, to show how calculative and analyzing um, White Rose is. Sarah, you want to say something? Did anybody, um, yes, yes, I did. Um, did anybody else pick up on the imagery in that room with the imagery during um, the dream sequence at the end of episode four of the first season when Elliot is going through withdrawal? Is that the one where the fish talks to him? The fish what talks a to him. Window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fish talks to him, and then he goes to that fancy restaurant with Angela, and she oh, yeah. cuts into the fish. And we also see Elliot return to his apartment, and there's Tyrell, and you know what he's holding? A key. Elliot was also holding a key in the scene with the restaurant. Yep. Be- because then I think in every vignette in that sequence, there was a key. And it was kind of like he was trying to follow the key mm-hmm. to unlock the door. I'm just saying. There are parallels there. I wouldn't put it past SMS mail if that was on purpose. Yeah. But, but I, I just, that's where my mind went. But what what was so interesting about that scene, and we're, we haven't even talked about White Rose yet, is the tension in it. And it's such a quiet scene because all the girl is doing is just asking questions and you're, and you're fearful for Angela and what might happen. And just the conversation evolves and the questions are very um, vulnerable and, um, and direct. And so it it's it, it was crazy how much tension was in that scene because I was afraid at any moment that somebody was gonna like pop out of the shadows. <laughs> I don't know if anybody else like had that fear. I was waiting for someone to like totally back up from like where the door was out of the shadows and like put their hand on Angela's shoulders and was like, it "Come just, with me." <laughs> it, Right. It just felt like at any moment somebody was going to stab someone or or something could happen at any moment. And they they were they they were able to maintain that throughout the entire sequence. Yeah. As, will appear. <laughs> right. Yeah. As, as my friend so eloquently put it, that scene was the tension was so thick. Beyonce was jealous. So that was pretty good. <laughs> 
So oh my god. I don't take credit for that joke. Shout out. To <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, I don't know. Let's keep gushing over it. So when White Rose finally came out, um, how did you? respond were you expecting white rose to actually come out or did you think it was just someone else from the dark army that was going to come out anybody i think it was i think i once the test started going on and uh angela started figuring everything out i think i started to make sense of it because i feel like white rose's um motivations for doing all of them those tests and talking to angela all became clear with just them meeting face to face um and also the comment that um, White Rose had said about um, the death of her mom and Elliot's uh, father kind of making them who they are today. Um, I think White Rose just knows so much more about Elliot and Angela than we even realize. And I think that was it, that's what made this scene even harder for us to comprehend because we were just kind of like, how does White Rose have this tie to Angela all of a sudden? All of a sudden, it's like they're so close and interconnected. And it's I think we were kind of feeling just as confused as Angela in that scene. Um, and that tension, I think, really came from this fear on not just Angela's end, but both ends. And that's what I think made the um, the questions that Angela was getting asked more clear to me. I think uh, there was this fear of Angela on White Rose's end as well. And she was asking Angela these questions mm. to kind of um, see. She mentions, you know, her empathy and things like that. But I think it was just her intelligence, but also her how bold she is and willing to go against the rules. Um, White Rose mentioned that Angela could have just got up and walked out of the room. And I think that was something that um, tied it all together because Angela's kind of like this... Um, she wants to be this independent and fierce woman, but at the end of the day, she really, you know, follows the rules and whatnot, and she's really passive. And, and she's fearful. Yeah, and she she's very intelligent and whatnot, and she figured out a lot of the, the questions, and she found the key and whatnot, but at the same way, she doesn't have, I guess she doesn't have, like, the mind that a hacker would. Like, you know, the she doesn't... The tenacity. Yeah, she, she didn't... She wasn't she wasn't like ready to break out of the room. She was passive and the same thing like she wasn't dangerous as well. The fish died because she didn't really try to go against what she was told to do. Um, so I think that's when White Rose started to back down and really get this power over her. And we kind of got to watch that happen the whole scene. Like we saw the pal the balance of power shifting back and forth. Yeah. Um, as White Rose realized that there wasn't much to be fearful of with Angela and then right. Angela slowly accepting um, coming to terms with the plan and her involvement and whatnot. Yeah. Sorry, I just went on a total ramble trying to sort through that. But no, it's <laughs> like the, that scene was so like jam packed with information and subtext and subtleties that it's hard not to talk about it like for at, at length. But um, Sarah, what were some of the things about that scene with Angela and White Rose that stuck out with you? Okay, now my ramble time. Anyway, <laughs> ten, because I love I, the scene so much. I can only afford ten minutes of this. Kidding. It's funny because first watching it, I was just like straight through. I was like, "What the heck?" And then in retrospect, I was like, "Wow, that was an information-packed scene." It, it's such a great scene, and I think like word for word, line for line, everything White Rose 
said in that needs to get repeated and laid down in front of me so I can fully analyze it and all of the messages that are embedded in all of her words because like there's a lot of points about philosophy and about life and about who we are and identity was a big part of that and I think to go to your point Alyssa Angela's one of those characters who she she's kind of in terms of of identity she's she's influenced more by the people around her and so she's not I I don't want to say that she's not original but she's kind of she she kind of put together her, her own identity based off of like what she's supposed to do in life and who she's supposed to be as opposed to who she really is if that makes sense but that's not what I want to gush about at all in terms of this scene um the line that stole my heart was basically you're at the intersection of it all and and I think that is such a phenomenal line considering this idea that who you are as a person is at the intersection of who you're going to be and who you've been in the past and all of those experiences combined whether they're bad experiences or good experiences you're at the intersection of all of that and I think that is very true and and authentic and real and and it again is about identity and especially with in terms of Elliot where we're always questioning his experiences and what we've been told about him and what he's told us about himself because there's always these gaps in times and he's unreliable so we can't really ever have an idea of who he is because there's so much missing and so much that we haven't been we haven't seen and then in terms of just the um the way that scene was shot um again it's a very dynamic scene just between how they shot white rose in it in the sense that they did this thing where in there were moments where she appeared very feminine and very nurturing and almost caring for Angela and trying to figure out who she is to go to Alyssa's point. But then there's that other scene where or moment when she gets up and she starts walking around and then there's this great point where they just frame her up and she just took... Um, she just smoked a cigarette, and so there's smoke coming out of her nostrils, and it's very, it's a very um, androgynous shot of her, and it actually enhances her more masculine parts, or, or her more ma masculine features, and almost like an antagonist, and you start to see, oh, that is someone you don't want to play with, so they did a lot of that, um, that bending in terms of White Rose's character as she began to manipulate Angela in terms of all of Angela's responses, whether she was going to be um, much more aggressive or much more passive in the conversation. So that is that is all the thoughts after I've like rewatched and replayed this scene in my mind over and over and over again. Yeah, you can write like a whole thesis on human psychology with this scene i was just completely n not in a long time have i been zeroed in on a conversation so much in a television mm -hmm. show like where i kind of just forgot i was sitting at a desk like i was so i was literally like leaning forward 
over my desk, just trying to get closer to the conversation. And um, you just couldn't look away. And um, right. it was great how it, it remained unbroken. Like, I feel like they went from, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it went from commercial break to commercial break. Like, they didn't want mm-hmm. to edit that or cut from that at all because they wanted to show the gravity of the situation and thought that was really neat. Um, Ooh, I got a question. Yes. Um, one of the confusing, I wasn't, I wasn't entirely confused how much, in, how much information White Rose knew about Angela. What threw me off was when, when White Rose says that we have an event and a friend in common. Like I understand the event that they have in common, but she says friend as in singular. When both Angela and her know both Philip Price and Elliot. I was going to say, uh, White Rose mentioned that she knows about Elliot, right? Yeah. Right. We, and we've seen her interact with Elliot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But maybe Philip Price and White Rose aren't friends anymore. Uh, They're maybe. frenemies. Dun, dun, dun. Well, I just, I don't think that White Rose and Price are, I didn't, think that they knew each other i thought it was just price knows white rose on like the political side as like you know the china relationships right but there was that phone call and and it was white rose who oh, he was right, talking right. Yeah, to yeah. wasn't it wait which no, no. i don't th- mm, yeah <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure that they have the bff necklace and everything and like you know the two two halves of the heart and you put them together matt knows what i'm talking about he just won't admit it i have i plead the fifth i've revealed too much for me already this episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah it could be bd wong's performance maybe there was a little hidden s in there that we didn't hear but um i don't know that when you when you wrote that question down i'm reading it i'm like i I don't know either that's a little strange (gasps) Do you do you guys think that White Rose was really behind what happened to Elliot's father and Angela's mother? I don't know. White Rose is very she's very uh, a firm believer in that, like things happen for a reason almost Um, because she constantly says like things talks about things as like getting set into motion. And I think when she was talking about that whole thing in the past with Angela and Elliot happening i think it i don't know if she would have been behind it but like it just i don't know if she's just saying you know it's just a coincidence and it's put this whole planet to act i don't know i i don't think that it i i don't i guess it's because i logistically i don't see how that could be yeah it could Um, be i I mean like angela's trying to figure out exactly what happened at you know at that refinery question mark was it again plant of some kind yeah and um maybe that's a white rose kind of just throwing her off like saying like you know it doesn't matter like that it happened is the fact that you you came who you are today or you are the way you are today because right and that's what you should be focused on yeah i got you and more importantly elliot's the way he is today Mm -hmm. because of it yeah elliot's at the intersection of everything like the whole world elliot the world revolves around Elliot. Maybe. <laughs> At least Mr. Robot World does. <laughs> yes, which is looks exactly like Elliot's world. <laughs> um, I 
forgot what I was going to say. I'm sorry. Is anyone there? Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm lagging. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we just all needed to take a pause after that super long <laughs> and lovely discussion about and gushing about <laughs> that great scene. Um, any last kind of thoughts on it before we move on? Because we, we have to move on. Like, sorry. But <laughs> it is... We have to move on with our lives, which I mean would say, but any lingering thoughts, feelings about it? Would you say would you say that you believe that we have to move on? Because my <laughs> question and my final thought about the scene is I I really don't know what what White Rose meant when she said, I want your belief. Yeah, why did And we're gonna leave hold, it at that. Why did she hold Angela's <laughs> Um, you know, opinion of of what rise what white white rose is doing like in such high regard. I don't know. I think well, I think it's because Angela doesn't realize that she's so pivotal pivotal to this whole plan, whatever stage two is, and I think that she does really pose a threat to it all. But white rose doesn't want to really reveal that to her mm-hmm. because that would be a, a total like. White Rose would be giving up a lot of power to Angela just by doing that, even whether, regardless or not, if Angela would do anything with that power. And with the test, I think that um, White Rose kind of proved that Angela wouldn't really. Um, But at the same time, I still think White Rose wants to hold that power over her. And I think the belief that she's talking about is just Angela realizing that she's, you know, so pivotal to it. And I think the main thing here is that Angela needs to kind of... um, like stay inside E Corp and you know drop that case like she does later, mm-hmm. um, right? Because part of it, I think, is that the when she's talking about that whole um, ninety day expiration almost or ninety days ago, mm-hmm. I think that's when it really struck a chord with Angela when she realized that um, that you know Elliot is really pivotal to it and that if it wasn't I guess a good thing like she wouldn't she wouldn't have made it by I guess these 90 days um so I think it's just White Rose wants to confirm that she needs to um you know just keep doing what she's doing inside E Corp and I guess kind of stay blinded to everything else and drop the case and things like that because that's messing up the plan Alyssa would you say that that white rose um she she views herself at this point in time as a god and in control of all this and in control of time and life itself almost damn i don't know because i at the same time like white rose is so incredibly humble right in a way it's strange because at the despite saying like um, talking about how how much power there is to, you know, talking about how much power she has in all these things. Like, she also does put a lot of, uh, I guess, a lot of faith into that whole idea of everything flowing in certain ways and things happening as they should. And right. Almost like these other forces beyond even her reach. Right. Man, Vera would have so much belief in White Rose if those two <laughs> characters ever met. And I want that scene in season three because I really miss Vera. That's a <laughs> uh, tangent. That's the uh, 
season two Blu-ray box set, uh, you know, cut out scenes, I guess. Please. I don't know. Deleted scenes. Please. And, and the only reason why I bring up, like, this idea that maybe she does view herself as a god, especially now after everything that's happened, is because a lot of the season has been about belief and there's been a lot of religious context. I mean, we the the one glimpse that we got to that night between Elliot and Tyrell, Tyrell, like you see his reaction to the hack and the power and the control and his first instinct is to claim that both him and Elliot are gods now. And then you have Elliot attend church group and talk about the hypocrisy and religion and a bunch of other stuff. So I think it's, I think it's really interesting. And um, it's another, I mean, is there a separation between state and church and state and all that, but whatever. Anyways, I know we got more stuff to go through. Matt, you can, you can stop just staring at your mic and telling me to shut up. <laughs> it's, it's really insensitive. Why would you think I was doing that? I mean, hit the nail on the head, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I, I everything like the the examination of White Rose's character is also a long winded and and complex topic to discuss. And you know, we I'm sure both of you think uh, that White Rose is not going anywhere in terms of going into season three. So um, that is going to be a mainstay because that is definitely one of the breakout characters this season, um, as far as I'm sure. So. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, actually, too, since we're still on the topic of their discussion, is um, did anyone else get the idea that since that scene in the room ended with a fade to black, that we missed part of that part of their conversation when it kind of skips to Angela going to her lawyer friend's house? I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. It was a strange way to end the scene. It was almost like like a movie. Like, why would you yeah. go fade to black? And you know, Sam Esmail, you can't, there's no such thing as overanalyzing when it, when it comes to this show. So I'm like, does that, is that supposed to signify that we're missing parts of like that conversation? Do we see only a snippet of it? So, because she seemed definitely is... like shaken when she went to her lawyer friend's house. Right. And then there was that awkward hug, which I mean, I, I think that Angela was fully converted <laughs> into <Hail laughs> yeah hail white rose, hail white rose. um at Our the army. same time there was that awkward hug where she could have easily been slipping something like a drive of some sort into oh. the lawyer's pocket or something maybe that's revealed next episode mm. and gonna cause chaos to occur i don't know um but Another pool I want to mention before we move on is did anybody else notice the score in this episode? I didn't. Because I was enthralled in conversation. I don't know why I picked it up on this, but um, it is the same score that they used at the beginning of episode nine last year when they first did the first flashback to Mr. Robot and young Elliot and and that our first glimpse at um, where the Mr. Robot name came from and oh. everything. So it, it was the same score. And I was trying to figure out why they were using that and if it was on purpose or not. Um, but it's just interesting. And hey, that episode also ends with Elliot and Tyrell in the arcade. And look at where we end this episode. 
What a nerd. Of course you would pick up on that. I know. I'm just, yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. Mr. Robot. Let's talk about Tyrell. <laughs> well, just to go back, I, I just want to say about the scene with Angela and the lawyer, I actually didn't even think about the idea of her um, slipping a drive in. I just thought it was, I don't even, like, I, I don't think it was like a brainwashing thing. I think she was just kind of accepting that she's afraid of her fears and all. Um, I don't know. Kind of playing it up to the van that she's. Yeah. And then there was there the one thing that I was wondering about with that scene that I think is important to mention is that brownout that happens. I know. Yeah. It's almost like White Rose has like supernatural powers or something. Right. <laughs> I just think I was thinking about how she she wasn't she joined E Corp like Angela, I mean sorry, she joined E Corp like for her whole quest to solve that case and all, but she she always like listened to our monsters at the same time and like was very stable there. And I feel like it was that brownout happening and watching Angela act all strange with the lawyer telling her, you know, to, not to contact her again. I think it was an interesting juxtaposition because, you know, we're watching the whole world kind of crumble and Angela is just mm -hmm. reveling in her newfound fearlessness and safety. So, right. That's what I got out of that scene. Man. And I even think about that. Yeah, I thought it was a good parallel too to the um, parallel. Geez, I feel like I said that weird. I feel like it was a good parallel to the um, the whole scene with White Rose because at that time we see Angela just kind of scared, completely scared, <laughs> and now she's are kind you, of at peace. Are, so are you thinking that to have that white that brownout occur at that moment, it's kind of like reminding the viewers that the society is crumbling right. and it's getting to this like idea. I don't want to say post-apocalyptic, but it's getting to this place where society as we know it today um, will is, is going to collapse sooner rather than later. And usually when um, as humans, when we are faced with, with such a crisis, we tend to cling into like religion and faith and belief, which mm -hmm. is what Angela went through this episode. And she found her quote unquote new God or new belief. And she's going to cling on to that because everything she invested into E Corp and success in the financial world will is slowly dissipating and not equating to anything. The end wow. is nigh. Wow, I'm glad ring, you brought that up. Ring the bells. The end is nigh. Um, it kind of seems that way because they started mentioning, like, everybody talks about stage two. They build it up to this event that's going to, like, change humanity. Like, all all of mm -hmm. this is going to go towards this one event. And it's such a big event that they even brought someone from the dead, so to speak. And that's uh, Tyrell. So, yay, he's here. Mr. Robot's dead, too. Everyone's dead. Kind of. What do you mean he's Kinda. why is he dead? Well, Mr. Robot is a figment of Elliot's dead father. Oh. Like well, so, okay, yeah. I'm just saying. Yes, we all know Red Elliot's dead. Was it really Tyrell? Was it? Was it? I mean uh, it was. Do you guys oh, think that it might not be? I can't help but like it wasn't that I was going off of other people saying Tyrell sounds weird. It was me. I The minute I heard Tyrell and I didn't get that bonsoir out of him first second he was on the screen, I was like, all right, something's up. <laughs> I 
True. I expected him to say bonsoir, Elliot, and he didn't. And that was mm-hmm. when I was immediately like, something's weird here. Tyrell, why is he wearing a nice suit? Why is he all chipper? Why is he not sound as Swedish as usual? <laughs> I don't know. And his even his <laughs> facial facial um, expressions and uh, body language was just it just seemed foreign to me. And it and I was like, maybe it's because we haven't seen Tyrell in a while. But it just I don't know. Even revisiting past scenes, it just seemed strange and well, I, with I, Sam I can't I really, Sam Esmail I can't help but read into that <laughs> right and I think that was kind of done on purpose I mean I, I feel like the moment Tyrell enters the cab from when until they both get out of the cab it is it is meant to leave you with doubt and make you question just like Elliot questions like is that him like is this real Somebody else verify it because I can't trust Elliot on this account mm-hmm. occasion. Yeah. And so you're and and I thought that was so done so well, especially given the fact that the cab driver didn't really speak English, so they allowed that. And so you're still questioning it. Um so and I thought that was masterful. But yeah, I didn't think of it that way actually, because yeah. now when I think about it, I think I'm realizing too that we have Elliot who is this unreliable narrator and we're we have to think of this scene as him narrating it to us. So he, I think it's almost yeah. him giving, telling it to us in a way that like he can't shake this feeling of disbelief over seeing Tyrell. And I think that that is translating to us. So it's almost like bits of Tyrell are getting lost in translation over what uh, Elliot is experiencing and seeing Tyrell again and being so, you know, what the hell over it. And then right. telling that story to us, you know, he's not really describing Tyrell has as he really is and I think that's the way I'm gonna go with seeing it yeah, and... <laughs> and it's okay. it's funny because right before he gets into the cab he has to remind himself that he's the narrator almost because mm-hmm. he's walking down the street and he's like wait a second where did Mr. Robot go oh no that's right I am Mr. Robot so I'm not following him I'm just finding myself to this place and like, I don't know where that I'm he going. Was Mr. Robot as well. Yeah, yeah. he's like, wait, yes. I'm walking myself. I'm not following anyone. <laughs> right. Right. Matt, what did you think about how Elliot um like we finally go back to him in his apartment after he does that what what is it? Mind awake, body asleep. Mm-hmm. And then he observes as the silent observer now suddenly Mr. Robot deciphering or um decrypting the cipher what did you think about that sequence cool scene. well first i wanted to talk a little bit about when there was nope, in, in the cab um no i kind of going off you guys for... gotta answer it yeah you do Fine. that to this me can part. i do that i guess i can't do that to you <laughs> i just wanted to say real Skip. quick that Pass. if if tyrell is in the taxi cab with him that means mr robot is still lying to him and he and while he doesn't really believe in Mr. Robot so much, they're not forged in friendship now. Um, that's just another thing of he can't, he still can't trust them. And um, I think that was something that I was thinking about. And I thought it was important to say. But now that I said it out loud, it doesn't sound as important as you guys. So No, it just sounds like you're paranoid. I mean, who wouldn't be after watching this episode? <laughs> my mom came home from dinner. Uh, my mom came home from work, and I was like, "Are do you? Does anyone else see her? Like, what, the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what is real?" 
Am I dreaming right now too? I was going to go back to my question and ask about, has anybody else, does anybody have a theory about why that, um, that menu that they were using for the cipher um, was named Red Wheelbarrow, which was the same name written on Elliot's notebook? I didn't even catch that. What a nerd. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did catch that. I still haven't really thought about that enough. <laughs> I I don't know. Yeah, it was just a crazy thing. And I know it's done on purpose because if White Rose has taught me anything this episode, there's no such thing as a coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. Everything has a purpose. And Matt is supposed to tell me why. Why? Because um, they're like, hey, you know, wouldn't it be really spooky and cool <laughs> if spooky. if we just named it the same thing as... Halloween's Dr- coming. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Notebook! Uh, I mean, Never obviously Elliot is... seriously. I'm trying no. right now. Obviously Elliot is... He remembers this location. I mean, they didn't just... Like, maybe it was there the whole time before he even started that journal. Maybe it was a place that holds significance because he just goes there a lot. And he just decided to write that cipher down. Or they that was a place of meeting with Tyrell. You know, it could be a bunch of things that he remembered, you know? like I mean, the poem Red Wheelbarrow is just so much. To, it, like, it starts with so much depends on a red wheelbarrow. That's what I mean. But there's a poem called Red Wheelbarrow? That's that is what it comes from. Yeah, that's all I know so far. Looking into it, there is um, a damn poem. <laughs> we about to read poetry because of Mister Robot. Why did you tell me this? I would have looked it up by William Carlos. That is okay. William. That's everyone's William home- Carlos Williams. Sorry, it's my homework for next week. Read the red red wheelbarrow. I can't even say it. There, okay. There's some significance there. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it just it, in my mind after I saw that, I'm like, wait a second. Are what are they trying to say in terms of what was happening before when Elliot was locked away and how he was possibly communicating with the outside world? Like, do the does that notebook contain messages between him and Tyrell? But that doesn't point. make sense. I wonder so, if it's messages between him and himself. Like maybe I mean okay like memento where maybe. he had to write down on himself because he forgets stuff <laughs> well maybe that's like a note good to point self, to stage wrap two. up this... <laughs> <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> note to self stage three for season three <laughs> hack the planet <laughs> note to self this is only five stages long <laughs> With that, I think we're going to wrap up this episode or this discussion about episode uh, 11. It was jam-packed with info. There was so much drama and you were just, it was easily, I was easily drawn into it. And it sounds like both Alyssa and Sarah were as well. So um, what were your guys' thoughts on it? We'd love to hear from it. Um, And to get in touch with us, I guess we'll start with Alyssa. Where can the audience uh, find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at a-V-W-S-M-N. Thanks. And uh, Sarah, where can the audience find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at SJ Belmont. Uh, SJ Belmont. S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Yep. And you can find me, uh, Matt, at I'm Salzy. I'm S-A-L-Z-Y on 
Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, even though I don't snap. <laughs> and be sure to also go to the GWW.com to read about all of our geeky opinions on Mr. Robot and other TV shows and comics <laughs> and games. And it's, it's not like there's the actual script in front of me. You should also rate, subscribe, and comment on both iTunes and SoundCloud. And with that, uh, good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. Did you just get my dog groaning? (laughs) This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks, assemble!